Firstly, I'd like to say thank you, Gavin, for taking half my preach. Um, <laughs> but it is amazing how God speaks, even though we had no idea what we were going to share. Um, I, I believe God wants to reiterate what he's saying. Some of us are hard at hearing. So today's uh, title for the preach is Becoming Who You Already Are. Becoming Who You Already Are. Sounds confusing, but I will, I will explain. Hopefully in 25 minutes or so you would uh, believe who you are in Christ and you will, will walk out of here actually victorious. Amen. So I want to read from Romans 12 verse 1 to 2. Um, Dion read this scripture last week, and it absolutely gripped me. Well, actually, God gripped me through the scripture. So I'm going to read it. Uh, it's the NIV version. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's look at verse 1 first. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What does this mean? What does this look like? Well, I want to look at uh, Matthew 2. Uh, we read about uh, the wise men. We say the three wise men, but actually there's no proof how many wise men there actually were. But because there were three gifts, we just assume there were three wise men. But in verse 11, Matthew 2, it says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now there's three things we can learn from these wise men just from this verse. First is, the first response they had when they saw, bless you, the first response they had when they saw Jesus was worship. They fell down and worshipped him as soon as they saw him. Even though he was just a baby, they realized who he was. And in Romans 12 verse 1, it says they're in view of God's mercy. That's the NIV. The NLT says, because of, he has, because of all he has done for you, because of all the things that Gavin mentioned, everything that Jesus has done, because of that, we worship. Our first response should be worship. If we look at what, God, what Jesus accomplished on the cross, what he's doing, doing in our lives, what he's doing through our lives, what he's doing in us, what he's already done in us, Soon as we, when we look at those things, our first response is worship. Amen. But what does that worship look like? The second thing we can learn from the wise men is they gave an offering out of their treasures, not their scraps, not their leftovers. It was out of their treasures. What they treasured the most, they gave. Some versions say they actually presented or gave these, these gifts. And I uh, I just, when I, when I was thinking about this, I saw this, the, I just pictured what, what it would look like for these wise men. And I just want to illustrate it a bit. They see Jesus, they fall to their knees. Okay, it's a bit hard, I can't fall. 
But then it was almost like, what do I have to give? And it was just, uh, yeah, have it. Take it. This is all for you, Lord. It's just this picture I saw, this complete surrender of, this is what I treasure, Lord, have it. And uh, what do we as humans treasure the most? Our bodies. Um, some more than others, for example. Uh, that's a bad angle, apparently, because you see your double chin. It has to be from the top, apparently. But we, we value our lives the most as humans. Our bodies, our lives. But it says in that scripture, offer your bodies, give your bodies, present your bodies as living sacrifices. See, when these, when these wise men offered these gifts, they weren't expecting anything back. And especially not the gifts they were giving. It's like when you go to a party and you bring a, a gift for someone's birthday, you're not like, well, he might not need it. I'll just take it back when I leave. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It's a gift, something we don't want to return. And we don't want something in return either. It's, it's, a, just, it's a sacrifice. I mean. So in the same way, when we offer our bodies, we're basically saying we're willing to lay down our lives for God. We are willing to give ourselves to God. We are willing to dedicate ourselves to Him. We are willing to lay down our will for His will. And it says there, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What is a living sacrifice? Is the question. Well, it's definitely not a once-off sacrifice. It's not a, a once-a-week on a Sunday morning, a church sacrifice. It's not a when I'm feeling good sacrifice or when things are going my way sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. It's a life dedicated to God's work and to his calling. It's a life committed to doing God's will. It's a life lived in faith and lived out in faithfulness because he's faithful. It's a life sold out to God. It's basically someone saying, I'm willing to give my life to God for him to do as he sees fit, anywhere, anytime, all the time. It's an every moment, every circumstance, every situation, sacrifice, living sacrifice. I think you guys get it. But why should we do this? And that's, what, that's the third thing we learned from the wise men. The wise men's gifts were fit for a king. They were gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, Jesus as a baby had no use for those things. What's what a baby going to do with gold? <laughs> can't probably can't even pick it up. I don't know if it was big chunks of gold or little nuggets, but you still, I mean, it's, a, it's actually a swallowing. It's, it can, you can choke on it. <laughs> don't give it to the baby. <laughs> so it's not, but it's not about Jesus the baby. It was because they saw Jesus, they recognized him as king. And they gave the best gifts they could possibly give. And the, the amazing thing about these gifts is they were extremely valuable. And they were actually all used in the temple of God in the Old Testament. Um, pure gold was used to cover a lot of things. There's a long list of things. But especially the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was completely covered in pure gold because it was pure. Frankincense was made to use 
was made, used to make pure and holy incense. It was used to burn at the altar. Myrrh was the main ingredient to make an anointing oil to prepare the priests ceremonially, prepare them to make them clean. All these gifts were pure, holy, and pleasing to God. All these gifts were used to honor and glorify God. And this made me think of 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 to 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. We are valuable. We are bought with a high price. Jesus paid his life for us. So let's honor our king because he deserves it with our lives. This is real worship. This is true worship. But still, how do we do this? How do we become living sacrifices? Let's look at verse 2 of Romans 12. The first part there says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The NLT version says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Many versions actually use the word age instead of world, which makes sense because we're living in a completely different age to 100 years ago. The world is changing. And the values of the world today are very different from 100 years ago, even 10 years ago. They're actually getting more twisted and more evil because we're living in the end times. Things that were frowned upon 100 years ago is the next best thing. The meaning of conform, actually, in the Oxford Dictionary, I like using the Oxford Dictionary. Well done, Gav. It says, to behave according to socially acceptable conventions or standards. Wow. In today's day and age, that's setting the bar quite low. Because what's socially accepted today is just about anything. So being conformed or copying the pattern or the behavior of this world or this age that we're living in is like being a leaf or a feather blown in the wind. You're here, you're there, you never know where you're going to land. It's just, you're everywhere. Um, and there's actually more than 4,000 religions in the world today, believe it or not. So imagine conforming to that. You'll be here, you'll be there, you'll be everywhere, you'll never know where, like the next fad is your next spiritual high. It's like, oh, okay, we're going here now. Oh, wait, wait, no. I, was just, I saw this picture of a boulder going down a hill, and it, it, it's out of control, and there's obstacles in the way, it pushes it that way, and then it pushes it that way. That's what conforming to the world is, going with the flow, doing whatever the world is doing, conforming to the patterns of the world. But the next part of that scripture says, but be transformed. The NLT version says, but let God transform you into a new person. The word transformed actually made me think of, it actually means metamorphosis. It made me think of what happens to a caterpillar. Tanil was very happy that I used the word caterpillar because someone used the word worm once. It's very upsetting. It is a caterpillar people. Now, what happens to a caterpillar? It goes into a cocoon, which is also apparently the wrong word, but the right word is something... It's up here. It's over my head. So I'm going to use the word cocoon for now. It goes into the cocoon, a caterpillar, but it comes out completely transformed. 
It's com something completely different. It comes out a beautiful butterfly. For a while it is one thing, but by the grace of God, it becomes an, something completely different. The thing is, a caterpillar is not beautiful. Have you ever seen a caterpillar? It's gross, quite spiky. But a butterfly is beautiful. Even moths. Some moths, Tanil will disagree, but I, f I find moths fascinating. They're beautiful. A caterpillar crawls. It takes very long to get from A to B. But a butterfly flies with these amazing wings. And it can go from one place to another very quickly. Gardeners don't like caterpillars because they destroy plants. They just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. They don't, there's no stopping. Uh, sounds like me. Um, <laughs> but a butterfly, the gardeners love butterflies because they actually help pollinate plants. And they're pretty amazing. They're pretty beautiful. Some gardeners actually grow special plants to attract butterflies. And the same thing happens when we, get, when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We get transformed. We were one thing. We were conformed to this world. And then by the grace of God, we are transformed. We are metamorphosized into something completely different. And this made me think of uh, years ago, we went to a butterfly farm. Butterfly, it was called Butterfly World. And when you th first think of that, you like think, oh, you're going to walk in and there's going to be butterflies everywhere. They're going to be in your face, all over you. But it's not quite like that. They were just doing their thing. They're just flying around, being beautiful, eating. And it just made me think of, the, of how the world views the church sometimes. They sometimes view the, view the church of, we're always going to be in their face. We're always going to be all over them about this. You're, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. But that's not what God's called us to do. But... If you got, when we went close up to the butterfly, just looking at it was amazing. You just think, God is amazing. He created this amazing, beautiful butterfly. And we just, you just stand in awe looking at this butterfly. And that's also what the world looks at us when they look at us. Because we are transformed into this new creation, they see this thing and they're like, wow, this, there is a God. This is, this is how the, view, the world should view us. Okay. That made me think of another scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. I want to read the NLT version as well. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. This new creation or new person actually comes from the Greek word kainos or kainos. Kainos means newness, but in a sense of fresh existence, new existence. In other words, it's something that is just made that has never existed before. Something completely new. Now, according to the clever people, Paul could have used another word for newness. He could have used neos, N-E-O-S. Neos also means newness, but it means it's in a sense of re renovation, making new, making, cleaning up. But that's not what happens when we get saved by grace. That's not what happens when we accept Jesus as Lord. We are not just cleaned out. We are not just renovated. It's not... 
The Holy Spirit doesn't come and sweep us clean. We are a new creation. We are a new person. And this newness affects every area of our lives. For the first time, we are spiritually alive. Because before, we were dead. Dead in our transgressions. For the first time, we are no more enemies of God. We are children of God. We have new life in Christ. And we are part of a new family. We're part of the family of Christ. Family of God. And we receive a new identity in Christ. Everything changes. And the definition of identity identity is who you are, the way you think about yourself, the way you are viewed by the world, and the characteristics that define you. In psychology, identity relates to self-image, one's mental model of oneself, self-esteem, and individuality. So identity, identity is basically what you think about yourself and what the world thinks about you. And that changes completely when we, when we become, when we're in Christ. Isn't it amazing? So I'd like to look at that identity a bit and what the Bible says, who we are in Christ. Not what I'm saying. But I'm going to go through a lot of Scripture because I believe the Bible explains it best. I don't want to put any of myself in this. First point is you are chosen and you are his special possession. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into the wonderful light. Next point, you are treasured. Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 says, For you are holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people of the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. And James 1 verse 18. James 1 verse 18. He chose to... Bless you. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Next point, you are loved beyond compare. And we, we heard a lot about that this morning. God's love is amazing. But 1 John 4 verse 10, 1 John 4 verse 10 says, This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Romans 8, verse 37 to 38. Romans 8, verse 37 to 38. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Loved us. Other versions say we are more than conquerors. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. God's love is amazing. We heard all about it this morning. And I just love that song where he goes after us. He chases after us. It's amazing. And why? Because you're worth dying for. 1 John 3 verse 16 was read already today. We know that real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Romans 5 verse 8. Romans 5 verse 8 says... But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God. He thought, 
you are worth dying for. You are forgiven and you are set free. Romans 8 verse 1 to 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Ephesians 1 verse 7. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And John 8 verse 36 So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You are truly free. You are His child. We are His children. 1 John 3 verse 1. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls calls us His children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. Galatians 3.26 For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So it's all about Jesus. Ephesians 1 verse 4 to 5. Ephesians 1 verse 4 to 5. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. You are secured for all eternity. John 10, verse 28 to 29. He gave them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from, my, from the Father's hands. You are set apart. Nearly, nearly done. You are set apart. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21 to 22. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. John 15 verse 16. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. And Ephesians 1 verse 3 to 4. Ephesians 1 verse 3 to 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And lastly, you are victorious. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 5 verse 4. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. And 1 John 4 verse 4. You dear children are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And we are more than conquerors. We are this new creation. Because we are in Christ, this is who we are. This is our identity forever. It can never be removed, can never be taken away, can never be messed up. 
can never be forsaken because God can't forsake us. It can never be taken away. It can never be changed. It doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't matter what our past looks like. It doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter how badly we messed up yesterday. Our identity in Christ stays there forever. That is who we are forever because of what Jesus did. Nothing what we did. Because of what Jesus did. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Because Jesus died and rose again, for our forgiveness of our sins, and for so much more, for that whole list. Because he died and rose again, for, to give us that, we instantly became his. His identity became ours. This is who we are. Do you hear? This is who we are. All those things is who we are. We are masterpieces of God. Chosen and made by him. The problem is, do we believe it? And I have a sense that most, most of us don't at times. We believe it now because we went through the list. We're encouraged. We've heard the word. This is who I am in Jesus. Yes. Raw, raw. But when we're going through a tough time, do we believe it? When we're going through rough seas, do we believe it? When Satan is constantly reminding of us, of us of the old person that we used to be, or constantly reminding us of the mistakes we made yesterday, the guilt that comes from, from making mistakes, do we still believe it? Because it is still who we are, but do we believe it? I believe there are two voices we can listen to every day, every moment of the day. We can listen to the lies of the enemy, or we can listen to the Holy Spirit reminding us of the truth of who we are in Christ. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what Christ has done. Ephesians 4 verse 22 to 24 says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God truly righteous and holy. I believe the biggest battle that we face every moment of the day is in here, in our minds. There's a war going on in there <laughs> between what the Holy Spirit is telling us and between the lies that we think we're hearing, but sometimes it's just ourselves telling ourselves lies. But I also believe that through the renewing of our mind, we can truly become who God has called us to be. We can truly become who we already are in Christ. Did I miss a page? No, I didn't. I just missed the, the next part of that scripture in Romans 12 verse 2 where it says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
And the NLT says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Going back to the scripture in Romans 12, the renewing of our mind, it happened, it's, a, it's a conscious decision we make that we're going to believe what the Holy Spirit's telling us and not what the enemy's telling us. And it just made me think of uh, if you had to explore a jungle, um, if there's a path going to the left and it's already there, it's easy. But imagine going through the jungle and there's trees in the way, bushes, and you have to take your, your sh- what's it called? Yeah, shetty, and uh, chop your way through. And as you're going through, you're seeing these amazing new things and you're seeing these new birds you've never seen or these insects. Amazing. Some people don't like creepy crawlies. But you're seeing these, all, all these amazing new things where on the path that was easy, you would never have seen those things. But on the path that's difficult, you're discovering these new things and it's exciting. It's amazing. And that's the same thing that happens when we renew our minds. When we're going on the same path we, our old self used to go on is easy. But we miss out on so much of discovering who we are in Christ and who Christ is. Kobe and I sometimes go on these exploring rides on our mountain bikes. And there's sometimes no paths. Where we go, we, we, we live by this. Where we go, we don't need roads. <laughs> and it's difficult. Sometimes it's very bumpy, very rocky, but it's awesome because we get to see these new places and we get to discover these new areas. And the thing is, by renewing your mind, the more you take these paths, the easier they become. It's like, that's the renewing of the mind. And eventually those old paths, those sinful paths, will grow over. God will grow them over. You'll forget about them. And now you're walking this new path, or these new paths, these new exciting paths. Makes sense. See, the more time we spend in God's Word, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more time we spend praying, the more time we spend with friends that are in Christ, with our family, the more times we listen to promises of God, prophecies over our lives, um, listen to worship songs declaring the truth that is in the, in the Word. The more we do this, the more we become like Christ, the more we start believing who we are in Christ. And it's not that we can feel better about ourselves or have easier lives. That's not the point. I'd like to go back to Romans 12 verse 1. It's so that we can be living sacrifices, so that we can be pleasing to God, so we can worship Him the way we're supposed to worship Him, so that we can truly worship Him with our whole lives. That, that image, here, Lord, here's my life. Take it. Use it for your glory. So that we can show the world how beautiful we are in Christ. So that Christ can shine through us. Amen. So that we can really worship God in spirit and truth. And that's it. I really, I really pray that we are all encouraged. And we all, I know it's a process. I know it takes time. Because the enemy doesn't want us to believe who we are in Christ. But I believe that through every day, renewing our minds, believing what the Holy Spirit is saying, we can truly become the new creations that we are. We can truly become who we are already. Can I pray for us?
Lord, I want to thank you for this morning, Lord. I want to thank you for your truth. And I thank you, Lord, that your truth sets us free. Lord, I really pray, Lord, that we would grab hold of this word, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would let it fall on good soil, Lord, it would take root. And Lord, I really pray, Lord, that we would really, truly start to worship you with our very lives, Lord, by renewing our minds every day, by realizing who we are in you, Christ, by thanking for you, Christ, for everything you've done for us, what you're doing through us, what you're still going to do through us, Lord, giving you the glory, Lord. I pray, Lord, that our lives would become a living sacrifice for you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, more importantly, Lord, that you would get the glory through this because people will see us. They will see our lives. They will see you shining through us, Lord, and they'll want that. They'll want to become new creations as well, Lord. They'd want to become part of your family, Lord, and grow in the same way that we're growing, Lord. Lord, I just want to give you all the glory this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of sharing your word. And Lord, I just want to just give you all the glory. Lord, I pray, Lord, for all of us, have your way. We offer our lives to you. And I just pray, Lord, that you bless every single person that's here and the family that they represent, Lord. I pray, Lord, give us opportunities to share your, your gospel today. Let us be those examples in the world to see. Let us be those beautiful butterflies. And when people ask us about our faith, that we'll have a, an answer to share. Thank you for this, Lord. I pray have your way and be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.